Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord again. Come on. Keep that going. That's good stuff. That's really, really good stuff. This morning, our scripture reading to set up the uh, story for our, my message this morning is from Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And today, you're just going to see a picture from the story. You're not going to see words on the screen, all right? So we're doing a little different today, all right? We're doing a little different. Just want you to follow along, if you want, in your Bibles, Mark chapter 2, 1 through 12. Or perhaps today, you can just sit back and listen to it. Maybe even close your eyes. Maybe look at the picture. Just imagine yourself in this incredible story, this incredible scene. So sit back. Take a deep breath, get ready to soak in the word of God as Mary comes to us and reads Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. All right. So this is when Jesus heals the paralytic. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered that so many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door. He preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four of them. Since they could not get to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, and after digging through it, lowered the mat, and the paralyzed man was lying on it. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. But that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Amen. Amen. What a powerful thing, right? What a powerful scene. And we're going to jump right into it this morning and take a look at what this has to say for us. A crowd has gathered where Jesus is, right? Because he's been out teaching, he's been out spreading the word, he's been out healing. In fact, healing so many people that the word, wherever he went, people are starting to show up in droves. You know, it's kind of like a localized celebrity at this point. You know, when someone really famous that's doing amazing things gathers in a spot, you want to be there, right? I mean, I don't know if any of you have experienced that. Have you ever heard that somebody's somewhere and you're trying to get there right now? Like I suppose if your iPhones went off this morning and it said that Taylor Swift is at the West Farms Mall, I know where you all be right after church, right? Don't lie. Don't try to hide. You want to go there. You just want to see, right? You just want to be a part of it. For me, myself, I heard about a story that happened several years ago. It was down in South Carolina. And um, it was a story told by Dr. J and Charles Oakley, if any of you old basketball players remember that. And they were going to go play pickup basketball at a local YMCA. Can you imagine? And word got out, and when they arrived, 3,000 people were at the YMCA. And all these people, you know, stepping up because they wanted to play them, right? But I tell you what, I tell you, I don't care how good you are. You're not going to catch me going up against Dr. J and Charles Oakley. Uh-uh. I'm the kind of person that gets myself on that team, right, you know. And I just sit in the corner and wait for them to pass me the ball. I don't get in the way. You know what I'm talking about? But Jesus is in this room. He's in this house, and it's crowded. I mean, the crowds are overwhelming. Nobody can get in or out. Everybody's heard about what he's been doing. In fact, the word has gotten out that even if people just touch the edge of his coat, they're healed. Can you imagine? 
Like if I just touch it and everyone who touched him was healed, that's how much power was concentrated and present in that place. And it was, it was just, it was just on fire, lit, whatever you want to say. I mean, this was the place to be. Can you imagine the owner of that house? Can you imagine? Because you know how people get when so many people show up, right? You know, as hard as you try to accommodate everybody, it's just not comfortable, all right? So into this scene, we see the story of this man that is being carried on a mat by his friends. Now you can imagine if you're in that packed room and it's noisy and it's hot and Jesus is beginning to teach the word and then something happens. Something starts to happen. The kind of thing that if it happened today, you know we'd all be pulling out our phones, right? We'd be like, hmm, start feeling that, right? Pieces of the roof start falling. Can you imagine? I know it hit somebody in the head. I know somebody's standing there and the roof's falling in. They're like, what is going, what kind of house, what is going on with this, right? And, and all of a sudden a light appears and a hole. And there's this man on a mat being lowered by ropes right down in front of Jesus. And you can just imagine in your mind what that must have been like. Confusion, just mayhem, just what is happening right here in this room. Well, this man, as Mary read for us, had an amazing, transformational, miraculous encounter with the living presence of Jesus Christ because he was lowered down right in front of him and got that face-to-face -face meeting with the King of Kings, the Son of God, and the Lord of Lords. Amen. So I want us to dive in and to look a little bit at some of the things that happened in this process where this man could encounter Jesus in such a powerful way. And the first thing that I want to talk about that I notice in this passage, right, is that he had the right kind of friends. Amen. He had the right kind of friends. I mean, this guy's friends really loved him. Because every time he wanted to do something with them, they had to pick him up, literally pick him up, and carry him every single place that they went. And I don't know how many of you know what that's like. If any of you ever tried to have a friend that you needed to care for in that way, it is exhausting. It is physically draining. And for you to do that, then you need a group of friends, right, that, can, that, that are, love you so much that they don't care that they have to carry you everywhere that they go. And I don't know if you noticed in the text, but it said a group of his friends came and four of them carried him. So there was more than four friends. There was a whole group of them, but four of them carried him. And knowing what I know, I believe it's because they needed to take turns depending on how far they were going because it gets tiring, right, to carry somebody. You've got to have a lot of love to do that. I think I had actually a taste or a little more of a taste of what this is like several years ago. In the mid-1990s, I was a youth pastor in Southern California, and there was a kid in my youth group named Andy, and Andy had cerebral palsy. And it made it very hard for him to walk. But he was the kind of kid that he didn't want to use any kind of help, no walker, you know, no crutches, nothing. He wanted to walk himself. And he could, but it was very slow. And a lot of times if he was going up or downstairs, he needed help. And he came to me one day and he said, Pastor Phil, can we go to Disneyland? Now, now in Southern California, I just got to admit, when you live in Southern California, you get to go to Disneyland a lot. I'm sorry, it's just the way it is, right? They have free days for California residents sometimes. You go there a lot. So I'd been there before, he'd been there before, but he said, will you take me? I really want to go to Disneyland. I'm like, Andy, of course, man, I'd love to take you. Let's go. And of course, when we get to Disneyland, you know, it's a lot of walking. Can I get an amen? Anybody ever been in an amusement park? It is a lot of walking, a lot of standing, right? And when you got cerebral palsy, that's a lot. So we get in and, and you know, he gets kind of special treatment, right? Because he's got this disability. So I said, Andy, do you want to get the wheelchair? And he's like, ah, oh, no, nah, man, I'm going to walk. I'm like, okay, if you're going to walk, that means I'm going to be helping you walk. And the whole day long, he was leaning on me. I was walking with him. And friends, it was like 12, 14, 16 hours. And it, as the day went on, he got tighter and needed more and more me to help him walk through it. And I was worn out. I tell you, it's tiring to do that. 
But you don't do that unless you love somebody. And when you saw the joy in his eyes and the smile on his face, you just knew it was all worth it, right? And if I'm completely honest, um, he also got this pass that allowed us to go to the front of the line at the time, right? <laughs> Come on, it took us a minute to get there, I'm not going to lie. But we did get to pass the line and go straight to the front on every single ride that day. It was perhaps maybe my best experience at Disneyland ever, right? But in this story, in this day and age, there's no super pass, you know. There's no thing you can get that takes you to the front of the line. They arrive with their friends much like we did. And there's a line and they know it's going to be difficult to get in. And they don't have any kind of backstage pass. They don't have any special permission. These kind of friends don't need no permission, right. They go up on the roof. So while these friends showed that they loved him fiercely, they had a strong and fierce love for the friend. And that's important. That's an important part of the healing process is that you find the right friends. These friends also had faith in Jesus Christ. They had the kind of faith that was bold. Nothing was going to stop them from getting their friend to Jesus. Because they believed, they believed in their hearts that if they could get him to Jesus, that he was going to get healed. That he was going to have a touch from God. And nothing was going to stop them. So bold as to go up on somebody else's house and somebody else's roof and start taking it apart. Come on now, are you with me? If you saw somebody on your roof, you know that it ain't going to go well, right? I'm just warning you all now, don't ever go on Larry's roof because Larry will take care of you in his way, all right? So you don't need to go messing with nobody's roof. And they're ripping it open. Their faith is bold. Their faith is bold. It's reckless. They're willing to do whatever it takes. And it's relentless. They won't stop. This man has friends that not only love him, but they have a faith in Jesus that is bold, that is reckless, and that is relentless. Oh, man, what's it like to have those kind of friends in our life, right? Those kind of friends. And they had faith in Jesus. They brought him to the feet of Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, and it wasn't just the friends, the man had faith too, amen? The man had faith. He believed as well. When it said Jesus saw their faith, it was all their all's faith that Jesus saw. But sometimes, because of things in our life, we just can't get to Jesus on our own. And we need somebody to help us. Somebody that loves us enough. Somebody with enough faith to take us to the foot of Jesus. And how do we do that today, friends? We do it through prayer. We do it through prayer. When we pray boldly and relentlessly and with a strong faith and out of a fierce love, we bring our friends right to the feet of Jesus Christ in prayer. And we bring our friends to Jesus when we come together and we worship. When we say, I don't care how you feel, we need to come together and we need to worship. We need to get to the place where the presence of God is going to be released. And it also happens every day in every small little way. When we reach out and we send verses to our friends on text. When we send words of spiritual encouragement. When we send that little prayer emoji, right? And that little heart emoji. Sometimes that's all it takes, right? And it don't take much because if you know the person behind that emoji loves you with a fierce love and has a faith in God that is strong and bold and relentless, you know that those prayers are powerful. Friends, we need those kind of friends in our life. Find the right friends. What kind of friends do you have in your life? What kind of people are you surrounding yourself with in this new year of 2020? Do you have the kind of friends that are going to be that bold, that loving, that relentless, friends who will pray for you and bring you to the very presence of Christ. You got those kind of friends? Because I'm telling you, with those kind of friends, man, some amazing things can begin to happen in everyone's life. We need those friends. I need those friends. I'm grateful. I mean, there are times when it's hard for me because of various things to feel like I can get to Jesus like I used to. 
I'm so grateful that God has given me friends that love me enough, that pray for me enough, because I need those friends. I need them, and you need them, and we all need them. We can't do it alone. We can't do it alone. The blessing in the story of someone who can't walk is that he knows he can't do it. The curse of some of us that can walk is thinking we can do it on our own. And I'm talking about spiritually, friends. You know what I mean. There are times when we need other people's help. It was their faith together that caused Jesus to move and to act. Think about that. Think about that for a minute, right? It was everyone's faith. That's what caught the attention of Jesus was this kind of faith. Friends, we got to find the right kind of friends. we got to find friends who will bring us to Jesus. And friends, we need to be the right kind of friends as well. I want you to start thinking about where do you find yourself in this story this morning, right? What is God saying to each and every one of you? So let's take a look at what happens when the man does get in front of Jesus. Jesus looks at him and what he says, first of all, is he says, son, your sins are forgiven. Hallelujah. Right? He came for a physical healing, but Jesus looked inside his heart, looked inside his soul, and he saw that there was a deeper healing that needed to happen first. And that was that this man needed to be forgiven of his sins. Because make no mistake, my friends, today, sin is a sickness that is slowly killing us from the inside out. All of our selfish actions, all of our selfish decisions, the things that we do that hurt others and hurt ourselves, it is killing us. It is a disease that is destroying our hearts and our minds and our emotions. It's not just that it's, that it's something wrong on a piece of paper somewhere. It's that hatred and jealousy and envy and pride and lust and rebellion and bitterness, they eat away at our very soul. They are a sickness that we can't escape from, that we can't be cured from because the only cure is to be forgiven. And we need that forgiveness. We need that inner healing first. For you see, sin messes with us mentally and emotionally as well. Because if everything's working right in our brain, we feel bad when we do things that are bad. Amen? I mean, if everything's working the way it's supposed to, and it doesn't for everybody, unfortunately, but we feel bad when we do things that are bad. And all we do is we try to escape that feeling, right? So maybe we run to an addiction or maybe we run into busyness and activity. But when the high finally wears off and when we finally stop running around because we're really running away and we, our head hits the pillow at night and it's just us. We can't escape the awful feeling of what we've done is wrong and we even begin to feel wrong ourselves. For you see, sin even distorts the view of ourselves that we have, right? Because in society, we often judge people, right, by the worst thing that they've done. We do this, because especially with people maybe that have committed a crime, right? No matter what the circumstances were, no matter if there were mitigating factors or not, even if a person has served their time and is released, they're still a criminal forever, right? They're a felon forever, right? We judge everyone based on the worst day of their life. And how would you, my friends, like to be judged on the worst day of your life? How would you like to be labeled by the worst thing that you have ever done? We don't want it, but we do it all the time, right? We look at uh, that woman and we say, oh, she's a divorced woman. Or we look at him and we say, oh, well, he's a cheater. Or she's a liar. Or he's a bum. And we label and classify and define people by the worst thing that they've done or the worst day of their life. And this is true even in this story. 
For in the time of Jesus, people believed that if you had a physical defect, if you were blind, if you were deaf, if you couldn't walk, they believed that somehow you were cursed by God, that that was the reason, that it was some sin that you had committed. And if you were too young to have committed a sin or born with that defect, then maybe it was your parents that had done something wrong. That's why the Pharisees asked of the blind man who was healed by Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born this way. They believed that just by the fact that the man couldn't walk and he had to be carried on a mat, that he was cursed by God. God, and that's the way that they saw him in that day and that time. Friends, it still exists in our world today. I'm reminded of a friend of mine named Mindy who went to India about 10 to 15 years ago, and she went to help them develop programs in the schools to teach kids with special needs. For in India at that time, they believed that you were born, if you were born with special needs or handicaps or disabilities of any kind, that you were cursed by the gods. Or that maybe you had done something in a previous life and you had to pay for it. And they didn't even bother sending those kids to school. She would go into homes and often that kid would be left alone in the corner, unattended to, uncared for, waiting for that cursed child to die. And Mindy's mission was to come and to say, these children have value. And we can develop programs, we can develop ways that they can be taught, that they can learn, and that they can grow. You see, Jesus wants to do the deeper healing of forgiveness. He wants to heal the way that this man sees himself and also the way that everybody else sees him. Because forgiveness, right, is what heals us. Now look at the very first word. Look at the very first word that Jesus says to this man, right? What does he say? Son. Son. Let that sink in. The very first thing he calls him is son. He realizes that sin has distorted his identity, that the way people view him has caused him to think some kind of way about himself, that maybe his own guilt and his own shame over the things that he had done in his life were beginning to weigh him down. And Jesus knew that in order to set this man free, he needed to reaffirm his new identity. And he says, son, my beloved, my child. Jesus in forgiveness reminds us that we are not orphans, we are not abandoned, we are not slaves, we are not what anybody else says about us. I am not what people say about me, I am who God says I am. And Jesus looks at me and he says, son, and he looks at you and he says, daughter, and he looks at you and says, my child. For the deepest need that we all have is a restored relationship with God, and that comes only through the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And that deepest need is the most important thing. It must come before all other healing because we need our mind healed, right, so that we begin to see ourselves and understand our identity in Christ. And we need our heart healed and our emotions healed so that when Jesus forgiveness, those, forgives us, those chains of guilt, they fall off of our heart. And man, if you've experienced that, ah, it just feels like you can breathe again, doesn't it? When that guilt and that shame is removed by Jesus Christ, you feel like you can breathe again. You feel like you have life again. Friends, Jesus wants to bring forgiveness to each and every one of us today, right now, right here in this moment. Jesus offers forgiveness for everything, everything you've ever said, everything you've ever thought, everything you've ever done. Jesus can set you free by giving you a brand new identity. Jesus wants to heal our vision. You see, what sin does is then we can't see ourselves clearly and accurately. And then as evidenced by the people in the room, we can't see other people clearly and accurately. That's why at Hartford City Church we've declared 2020 is the year of perfect vision, believing that God will heal us to be able to see him more clearly 
to be able to see ourselves as God sees us and to be able to see others through the eyes of grace and the eyes of God's love, right? And that's what this man saw for the first time. Not that I'm a cursed cripple on a mat, but Jesus' very first word to him was a word of belonging, a word of identity. He says, son, your sins are forgiven. And he did this in front of everybody so that everybody could see it, right? But there were some people that were blind. The Pharisees, the religious leaders, they couldn't see beyond the nose at the end of their face because their nose got bent out of shape by what was going on, right? So they started grumbling and thinking in their hearts, what, who is this guy? Only God can forgive sins. This is blasphemy. And again, Jesus knows what they're thinking. Well, friends, you got to know that Jesus can see right inside of you. That should make some of you happy and some of you scared, or maybe both at the same time. But Jesus knows what's going on in your hearts. Jesus sees what you're thinking right now, and he turns to them, and he's not going to let them get away with it. He's not going to let this sin continue to hide in the shadows. He's going to expose it and bring it to the light. He says, why are you thinking such things? Woo, you can imagine that feeling, right? Because you know sometimes you'd be thinking some kind of way. And if Jesus turned and called you out, you'd be like, whoa, how'd you know what I was thinking? He said, listen, I want to show you, I want to I open your eyes, I want to show you in the sight of everyone that I have the authority. Because in a way they were right, only God can forgive sins. But Jesus said, I am God because I have the authority to forgive sins. He's, it's radical. He's claiming equality with God. He's taking that authority and says, I want you to know that I have the authority to forgive sins. So therefore, I'm going to do this physical healing right now. He said, man, I want you to get up, take up your mat, and I want you to go home. Right? And it says, if you caught it, if you caught it in the text, Mark chapter 2, it says this happened in the view of everyone. So everyone could see it. So their eyes could be healed and opened. And then what did the people say? We've never seen anything like this. Right? Friends, we believe at Hartford City Church in the year 2020 that we are going to see things like we've never seen them before. And we're going to see things that we've never seen before because God is going to open our eyes. God is going to heal our vision. God is going to show us what is really going on. And this is a key point, that Jesus showed that he had the authority to forgive sins. And therefore he had the authority to heal. And that's another thing that we must understand is the authority of Jesus. For to receive forgiveness is to realize, recognize, and accept the authority of Jesus Christ in our lives. Only God can judge me, people like to say, right? Only God can judge me, but only Jesus can forgive me. Only God can judge me, and only Jesus can forgive me, because only he has the authority to give you forgiveness, to say that your sins are erased, they're no longer counted against you. Only he has the authority to give you your identity, to say who you are and whose you are. Only Jesus has the authority to heal you from the inside out. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. It's accepting the authority of Jesus that brings our forgiveness, that brings our healing. Okay, and catch this. You ready? Ready? Catch this. What did the man do? The minute he received forgiveness, he followed what Jesus told him to do. Right? He began to walk in the words that Jesus said to him when he was forgiven. Friends, when you are forgiven, the only logical next step, and that pun is intended, is to walk in the ways of Jesus. To follow the ways of God. Friends, I want to ask you a simple question today. Who has the authority in your life? Who has the authority to tell you who you are? 
Have you given that authority to someone else? Do you let your family, your friends, do you let what people say about you, do you let that define who you are? Do you let the comments that you get on social media have the authority to tell you who you are? Do you let your job performance tell you who you are? Do you let your failures or your successes define who you are? Then Jesus doesn't have the authority in our lives. What if 2020 was the year that I decided only Jesus can tell me who I am? Oh, I don't know. Does anybody else feel that? What if I decided that no one else was going to have that authority? It doesn't matter what you say. You may criticize me. You may judge me. You may curse me. But if Jesus has called me son and told me my sins are forgiven, that's all I need. I am good to go with that. And what if this was the year when we just did what Jesus told us to do, right? Oh, everybody wants to say, oh, I just do what I want to do. I'm my own authority, right? Yet I, yet I see you. You know, you're going online looking at blogs, looking at posts, trying to get advice about what to eat, what to wear, where to go, and what to do, right? <laughs> right? You're, you're looking for authority in your life, right? You're letting other people continue to talk to you and give you advice. And I want to say that's not necessarily a bad thing, but I've decided in 2020, I'm not going to listen to other people's advice from me unless they're the kind of friends that this guy had. <laughs> unless they're the kind of people that love me with a fierce love and that have a strong, bold, tenacious faith in Jesus Christ and friends who bring me into the presence of Jesus Christ, then I'm not going to listen to what they say. But if I got friends like that, if I got people like that in my squad, if I got people like that that are surrounding me, then I'm going to listen to them because I know that they are so close to God, so in love with Jesus that they're speaking the words of life and the words of truth to me. Friends, what if we really gave Jesus the authority in our lives? Friends, I believe that you would see yourself in a whole new way if you allowed Jesus to define who you are and whose you are. If you allow Jesus to construct your identity, I believe that we would see others in a different light. If we allow Jesus to heal our vision and release us from the condemnation and guilt that's in our heart so that we don't have to condemn or shame anyone else, that we simply can extend to them the message of Jesus Christ. You are my son, you are my daughter, you are my child, and you are forgiven. We need to accept the authority of Jesus Christ. And what if we simply this year just did what Jesus told us to do? What if we just followed what he said to do, right? What if we just did that and we stopped listening to everybody and everything else? And what if we just simply said, I'm going to get to know Jesus so much that when he tells me to get up, I'm going to get up. And when he tells me to pick up my mat, I'm going to pick up my mat. And when he tells me to walk out the door, I'm going to walk out the door. Because now that I'm forgiven, I know how to follow Jesus. Now one more thing I want to share with you, friends, and that is that Jesus' authority extends to his healing as well. And I want to say a word about physical healing. Because I know that always comes up when we look at these kind of stories. Because our experience tells us that people can be healed by Jesus, but some people are not healed physically by Jesus. And so we scratch our heads and we wonder and we begin to think about that, right? And I want to just say a word about that this morning. First of all, all physical healing is under the authority of Jesus Christ. That means it's his time, his way, and his will. And that means he has the right and the authority to physically heal right now or to physically heal over a process Or to say, you know what, one day you're going to get a new body, and that's what I'm going to do. You listening to what I'm saying? Because the inner healing is more important. And the reason I say that is my consciousness, my thoughts, my feelings, that's going to last forever. This body, it can be healed. Great, I'll praise God. But if it doesn't get healed, this body, whether it's healed or not, is still going to decay. It's still going to fall apart. It's still going to go into the ground. I'm not taking this body to heaven, friends. And I say amen, hallelujah. You said amen a little too loud. You said amen a little too loud right there. And none of y'all is taking your body to heavens either, right? But your spirit, your soul, your thoughts, your emotions, that who you are on the inside, that's going to last forever. So forgiveness, 
healing always begins with forgiveness. Healing always needs to happen on the inside in our hearts and minds, right? That's the most important kind of healing. For I believe, friends, and I'm going to say this boldly, that if that man in this story had to be carried back out on a mat by his friends, he still would have been transformed and healed because he knew that Jesus called him his son and said he was forgiven. And that would have been enough. That would have been enough. For when we are healed on the inside, truly healed, we can handle anything on the outside. Did you catch what I'm saying? When we're healed on the inside, right, we can handle anything on the outside. It reminds me of the three uh, boys that were talked about in the book of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they were going to be thrown into the big fiery furnace, right, because they disobeyed the king of Babylon. And right as they were about to be thrown in, they said, King, we want you to know we serve a God that is able to deliver us, and he will deliver us. And even if he doesn't, we're still going to praise his name. That's the kind of faith Jesus was looking for, friends. The kind of even if he doesn't faith. Do I believe that Jesus can physically heal? Yes. Do I believe that he's going to physically heal? Yes, I do. But I have the kind of faith that says, but even if he doesn't, I'm still going to praise his name. I'm not going to stop. Because on the inside, I know who I am. And I know whose I am. And what happened in that fiery furnace? Man, the wind must be blowing because it's messing with my eyes. That's what it's wanting Even in the fiery furnace, they saw four people in there because Jesus was in there with them, right? So it didn't matter. When they came out, their hair wasn't singed, their clothes weren't burned. They didn't even smell like smoke because in the midst of your trials, in the midst of your circumstances, in the midst of your sickness, in the midst of whatever you're going through, Jesus Christ is there. And when you know that you know that you know that you belong to him and you are forgiven and you are free, nothing can touch you, friends. Nothing can hurt you. And Jesus says, and oh, by the way, I did this little thing for you called rising from the dead. And you'll notice that when I rose from the dead, I have this new body. And I want you to know that if you trust me, if you trust me for your healing, one day you'll get a new physical body again. (laughs) And it's going to be more beautiful than anything you can imagine. Because it's going to match the beauty of your spirit. That I have forgiven, that I have healed, that I have turned into a son and a daughter of God. Oh, my goodness, friends. Anybody, anybody need that this morning? Anybody need it this morning? I'm, I'm, I'm going to open up the altar then. Xavier, I got a video to play, all right, some music. And you just keep playing it until the spirit's done, amen? Um, so go ahead and start that. And I'm going to tell you to go ahead and come. I'm going to come around and join you. But I believe that this man was brought to the very feet of Jesus, right? I mean, sometimes it's like we can't just sit back and wait for it to happen, right? So I'm going to invite you to come forward. This altar represents the place where we meet God. And I'm going to invite you to come forward because I believe that you will have a powerful experience of the presence of Jesus in your life. And just come forward. Just come forward and pray. And we're going to pray that God would heal you through forgiveness, through your inner being, through your mind, your whole in your spirit. Just come. Don't don't even wait. You don't need to hear anymore. Just come.